Harrison, a.k.a. Astronaut Abby, dreams of becoming the first astronaut to ever land on Mars. She created the nonprofit The Mars Generation. It promotes space exploration and STEM education, reaching more than 25 million people around the world. She's a scuba diver. She's getting her pilot's license. She's currently studying astrobiology and Russian at Wellesley, all to achieve her dream. You know, I've been thinking a lot about what it takes to pursue your passion. What is it that energizes and excites you? And if you need a lot of motivation to do it, is it really your dream? So I wanted to hear from people who are truly passionate about what they're doing. And Abby is one of those people. I'm so excited to share our conversation. I'm Mary Lee, and this is STEM Boldly. I'm so impressed by you, the founder of the nonprofit, The Mars Generation, the host of Ask Abby Space and Science Show. You're an international space ambassador creating the worldwide outreach program, Future of Space. And you're in college. I know for me, when I was in college, I did not do half what you're doing right now. And what drives you? What motivates you to do all that you're doing? Gosh, what motivates me to do all that I'm doing? That's a great question. There's there's a lot of things that are really motivating, but I would say that the one the one that keeps me going the most is when I talk to students, when I talk to young people who are excited about space or, you know, or where the Mars generation has played a role in their life in some way. And I see like the excitement in their eyes, the way that their eyes just light up. And that's what makes me sorry, my cat is hissing because she's climbing all over and I just moved her and I wasn't sure if you could hear that or not, but she got, she got grumpy. (laughs) But so yeah, I'm definitely motivated to do all of those things, mostly by, by seeing the results that they produce, by seeing how it affects, uh, this generation's future and knowing that I get to be a part of that. It's your journey, but you're also taking all of these other people along for the ride as well. That's really, really inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. That was the whole that was the whole goal when I started Astronaut Abbey, which was when I was 13. I, I, I went on Twitter with that as the Twitter handle. And um, it developed pretty quickly into this idea that I could share my experiences as I, I worked towards becoming an astronaut with the world, with the idea of, you know, sharing that to inspire and to excite people to go after their own Mars or their own dreams. And so it's exciting to be at a point now where I can see that happening in in some instances. What do you think it is about space that inspires you, that ignites or sparks that passion for you? I've always loved space ever since I was honestly as as far back as I can remember. So probably four or five years old, I have remember, I can remember just looking up at the night sky and dreaming about what was out there, about what it was that we didn't know about what we could find and what we could figure out. And I think that that's part of the human spirit is this, this need to explore, to constantly be looking around the next corner, to be asking what's over that hill and then to go do it. Um, And so I think that that's a very natural thing. Thing that kids have is this curiosity about the natural world. And I definitely had that for space exploration. For me, that was compounded and just completely amplified by the fact that my dad was a huge science fiction nerd. And so I grew up reading and watching, you know, every science fiction that you can imagine, Star Wars and Star Trek and Babylon 5 and just like everything. And so space was on the forefront of my imagination as a kid. That's so great. And was there a specific moment when you knew, I want to go to Mars? 
there's no specific moment when I was like, you know, I want to go to Mars, but I can tell you that it was probably around the time that I was eight or nine years old that I decided that Mars was the destination and that Mars was um, what my life's work was going to be towards. Because like I said, I'd been interested in space and wanted to become an astronaut and go to space for as long as I could remember. But as I got older and I started to learn more about space exploration and about what we'd done in the past and what we were doing present currently, um, and started to think about what it was that we would do in the future, Mars just became, it became apparent to me that that was the necessary next step that humans need to take in order to continue to advance in space exploration. And so I started to focus more on Mars and think more about Mars. And and that's the technical reason of, of why I want to go to Mars. But there's also a personal reason that once I started to think more about that and whatnot, it grows on you and it starts to be something where you you think about it and you say, um, you know, this is, this is a planet that is so similar to earth and yet we know so little about it. Just the idea of being able to go there and be, be the first person to, to, to find out those things, to step foot there and to look for, you know, potentially look for life or look for past geological events that have happened there. It really, really captures your mind. And how has the response been from people who have heard about your message, your mission, and all that you want and hope to accomplish? It's been overwhelmingly positive. I've been so pleased with the community that has risen around me as I've started to talk, as a kid started to talk more and more about my my dreams and my goals, because they seem outlandishly large, right? The idea of not only becoming an astronaut and going to space, but of also of going somewhere that that humans have never gone before. And to say that you want to be the person to go do that is a huge dream to put out there. And it was a little bit, it, it's a little bit frightening at first to start to say things like that publicly, because you expect that people aren't going to believe that it's possible, I guess, or support it. But I had the opposite of that happen, that people immediately jumped on board and overall have been very supportive of, of this idea and this concept. It's great because it's part of what I can share with other students and young people now is that even if your dream seems outlandishly large to you, your first step needs to be to talk about it and to be loud about your dream so that other people can hear about it and so that other people can support you and other people can tell you that, you know, no, this isn't crazy. Like you, you absolutely can do this. You know, talking about it is, it's absolutely the first step, letting other people know what it is that you plan to do, how you're going to do it. And that lets them know how they can support you. Yeah. What would you say to people who have these big dreams and who might be a little afraid or a little worried, uh, or maybe there might be some self-doubt that might come in. What would you say to them on how to encourage them? Yeah, definitely. For people who have a big dream or a dream that seems really big to them, but are feeling a little apprehensive about it or have a little bit of self-doubt, my advice is still the same. It's to, to be loud and to be proud about your dream. And so even though you have this little bit of self-doubt or maybe a lot of self-doubt about it, you need to still talk about it and you need to look at it as if it were a reality. Really just do your best to say that maybe this won't happen, but to me it's real. 
and to me it will happen. And if you put that type of attitude forwards, when you talk about it to other people, it's much more likely that they're going to have a really positive response to that and that you'll you'll then start to, you know, the more you talk about it, the more other people will um, reaffirm to you that you can do that. It'll it'll help grow your own self-confidence and things. So I would I would definitely say that not being confident about something isn't a reason to not talk about it. You should never keep a dream to yourself. You should always be out there talking about it and especially especially if you're not confident in it. It's the most important thing. Can you talk about maybe some of the challenges you faced and the lessons you've learned from them and how that has helped you to succeed and to even move forward in your passion and dreams? One challenge that I've definitely faced that I'm still working on is the idea of time management and the idea of looking at something and you know, having to, having to like, I guess, pick your battles in a sense by, by being able to say that you can't do everything that you want to, because I'm the kind of person that, you know, I, 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 I see something interesting and I just want to go pour myself into that 100%. Trust me, you did not want to see me at my college's activity fair when I was a first year. <laughs> I was the one who signed up for every list. And so for, for years now, I've been doing that where I, have, you know, five different hobbies and taking the most difficult classes I can and starting a nonprofit and, and, and all of this stuff. So the most difficult thing for me has been to prioritize, I guess, and, and to start making decisions about, you know, if you want to do something well, it means you can't do everything at the same time and that sometimes you have to pick. Um, and so I'm still definitely struggling with that. And I would say that's something that I'm still working on. But it's been a big challenge to uh, to do that and to also make the decision that self-care is just as important as doing everything so that, you know, you you can't trade off sleep for being involved in more things. It's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Who have been your biggest influencers or mentors and what have you learned from them? Oh, my gosh. Um, where to start on that one? <laughs> So I would say that there there have been a couple of astronauts in my life who I met who were really influential and who have um, played played a big role not only in me wanting to in in continuing to want to be an astronaut but even more so in becoming involved in outreach work and understanding the importance of of why you shouldn't. You, you shouldn't just have a dream and a goal, but you also should see how you can positively affect your community while you're chasing after that dream or goal. Um, and so first uh, first and foremost is my mentor, Italian astronaut Luca Parmitano, who I met when I was 13. And he gave me his email address and said, I will be your astronaut. If you have any more questions, you can send me an email. And so, yeah, and that was that was the most amazing thing for a astronaut to do for a 13 year old that he'd randomly met in an airport who he had no, I mean, there was nothing in it for him to do that. There was no outside reason that he would put the time or the effort into something like that. And yet he did. And doing that showed me that, you know, extending a helping hand to someone else when you have the capability to do so is, is so important because that gesture, which was, I mean, it was relatively small on his part, absolutely 
changed my life. Like it was, it was humongous on the other end for me. And so we did stay in touch over the years. And eventually when he went to space for the first time, he invited me to Kazakhstan to watch his launch. And then we worked together for six months. I was his earth liaison to share his experiences living and working in space with like a a different set of people on earth than who he could reach specifically looking to reach out to young people and to girls and to, you know, try and try and share that, uh, that experience and that excitement about space. So he was a really big inspiration in that. Two other astronauts who played amazing roles in teaching me why it's important to give back to your community and to focus on education and outreach were Wendy Lawrence and Dottie Metcalf-Lindenberger, who are both on the Mars Generations board now, which I have to say is the most amazing thing, right? To to get to work with your heroes, really, because when I was growing up, these women were my heroes. And now they're on a board of a organization that I started, and it blows my mind every time that I think about it. But um, Dottie sent me a photograph, an autographed photo of herself in the mail once, because back way back again, probably I was 13 or 14 years old. And I just hopped on Twitter and someone who had started following me and saw that I wanted to be an astronaut knew Dottie and told her about me and she sent me a photo and it had a really nice like motivational thing written on it. And it's been on my wall ever since then. And it went to college with me and all of those. Wendy Lawrence, on the other hand, I met in person when I was 13 the first time, no, 14 the first time. And then I met her again two years later. And even though the first time I met her was very brief, the second time I met her, she remembered me and she looked at me and she turned to an astronaut who was standing next to her and said, you know, we got to keep an eye on this one. A couple of years from now, she's going to be in the program. And so the idea that there were these women who were in the jobs and the roles that I wanted to do, who were were taking notice of me and who were motivational and supportive was absolutely the most inspiring thing that I could imagine and plays a big role in why I started the Mars Generation and why I hope to be able to maybe do the same sort of thing for other girls out there. That's absolutely incredible that they have been your role models. Were there any uh, imparting uh, words of wisdom that they gave you? One one bit that came from, from Luca, so not from the, the two women, but from Luca, was that he told me, and this is something that whenever people ask that, I always like to mention this one because this played a ginormous role in the way that my life, the way that I chose um, to go into college, was that he told me to do what I loved, not what I thought NASA was looking for, because NASA is looking for people who are passionate about what they do. And so initially I had, I had intended to go either into um, maybe the Naval Academy or the Air Force Academy or into a highly technical school like MIT. Those were the kinds of schools I was looking at. Uh, and I, I was going to do aerospace engineering or astrophysics or something like that, which would have been fine and would have been interesting. But after hearing that from him and hearing it reiterated from a lot of other people going through the college application process and whatnot, I ended up choosing to go to a small liberal arts, all women's college out on the East Coast and do a double major in astrobiology and Russian, which couldn't be farther from what I thought my plan was when I was 15. It was like not quite a complete 180, but like maybe a 160 (laughs) on that. And 
a big part of it was because I realized that I couldn't put in 20 years of work and effort and putting in, you know, 110% effort for, for that long, unless it was something that I truly absolutely loved. And so astrophysics wasn't the place for me. Astrobiology was. And so I, I think about that every day when I'm at school and I'm like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love what I'm working on. And it's because of that. Is it one of those things since you've gotten to know your mentors that sometimes the things that they say throughout the day might pop in your brain and you might be, oh, that's exactly, you know, those words of advice really helped me with this. You know, when things get hard, I definitely think of them and I, and I look at, I think about what I've heard from them and I look at what they've done in their lives and, and how they got to where they are. Um, and I would say that's the time when I think of them the most is when I'm when I'm struggling with something, whether it's an exam that I'm preparing for, or recently when I ran, um, I recently ran a marathon. And so times like that, when things seem really difficult, I oftentimes think of, you know, Wendy persevered through this, and Luca persevered through this, and they've uh, accomplished their dreams and, and whatnot. And so now it's my turn to follow after them and, and do the same. Um, so that's the, that's the time when I, when I think about them the most, I think. When you've had challenges and it's that time to really persevere when it's hard or difficult, what advice do you have for people about having that grit, having that, you know, that perseverance to soldier on and to really do what you can at all costs to kind of follow your dreams? That's a great question because especially when you think about dreams that are, you know, more long-term or, or whatnot, you know, like being an astronaut, that's not something that you can just accomplish in, in a day or a month or a year. It's a 20 plus year dream. You will definitely run into times where it seems almost impossible or times where it seems really hard or times where it seems like it might be worth it to give up or like you can't do it. Uh, and my advice for people who, who are running into situations like that is to, I mean, what I do is this sounds a little bit cheesy, but to close your eyes and just try and picture in your mind what it will be like when you accomplish that dream. And so for me, it's to close my eyes and imagine walking on the surface of Mars and and to think about that and then oftentimes that can give you the you know the extra little bit of motivation or that that extra spark that you need um to continue to to do something even though it's hard and so that's one way another way is to to definitely talk to people around you about it because you have to remember that when things get difficult you're not alone you've ho- you hopefully have people around you who are who are part of your community and who believe in your dream as well so that even if you start to falter in your belief they can be there to pick up the slack for a little bit and to you know remind you what you've done where you're going you can't give up yet that's great advice i've known a lot of people where they they do that they visualize and actually see it happening. Thank you. Yeah, it's a really interesting technique. And it's um, something that I learned from sports, actually, because I've been involved in sports my whole life. And it's something that we used to do on my when I was in diving on my diving team is that we would spend a couple minutes before practice every day, just laying on the ground by the side of the pool with our eyes closed, imagining our dives 
as if we were doing them just completely right, completely correctly. And it's a little bit of a different idea there because that's trying to teach your body how to do something by imagining it. Whereas this is imagining something in the future in order to give you motivation. But that's, that's basically where I got the idea of, um, of doing this and it's really worked out. What are you most proud of so far in all that you've done? I am most proud of the Mars generation because it is something that I look back on. And so we started, we, we were founded about two years ago, maybe two and a half years ago now. And I look back on it that three years ago, I couldn't have imagined the Mars generation. Five years ago, I never would have said that the Mars generation would be a thing, that this would be happening. And even even two years ago when we founded the Mars generation, I don't think that I... I could have imagined how how important it would have become, I guess, in the sense that it's affecting millions of people's lives every year. And we're we're reaching we're reaching people around the world in all types of communities with the idea that, you know, space and science is cool and exciting and something for our future. And also that dreaming big and being passionate about something is is important and something that we can all do. And so I, I'm endlessly proud of the work that the Mars generation has done and of hopefully where it's going. That's so cool. How did that even come about? So the Mars generation started, well, there's a little bit of backstory to it. Like I mentioned earlier, back in 2015, when Luca, my uh, mentor, went to space for the first time, we worked together. I was his earth liaison. So I was sharing his experiences through a lot of going to schools and speaking to classrooms or Skyping with schools around the world or speaking at conferences, doing a lot of writing. We had things like Where is Luca, where people could go to astronautabbey.com and they could see, you know, where where around the world Luca was or people were taking photos of the ISS going by and we would feature them. Uh, and we had like a column where people could ask questions about space, just doing a lot of stuff like that, a lot of general outreach to um, talk to people about space and about science. And after Luca came back, this outreach work that was supposed to last six months kept going because at that point it seemed like, why, why stop? We've got this great momentum. There are all these people who are interested and excited about space. And this is such important work to be done that just because we're not talking directly about a specific astronaut in space anymore doesn't mean that we can't still be educating and exciting people about science and about space. And so kept doing that, kept um, speaking at conferences and classrooms and writing and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and it just kept growing and getting bigger every year. And so when I went off to college, we uh, decided to transition that into a nonprofit to give it some structure, to give it some um, more validity, and to hopefully involve more people in it so that it could continue to grow larger. Because there's there's a limit to how much one person can do, even with the help of so many other people around them, unless it has a a structure to it. And so, creating the Mars Generation was trying to transition that um, outreach into a sustainable program, I guess. And it did just that, where now there are, you know, dozens of people who are involved in the work that the Mars Generation does. I mean, we're completely volunteer driven and run, but it's it's stuff that I never could have done 
on my own. So having started the Mars Generation was was the best um, way that that outreach work could have evolved. Wow, I love that. I talked with uh, astronaut Nicole Stott, and she oh, said the great. same thing, right? Yeah. She's amazing. <laughs> and she talked about finding what you love and what you're passionate about and, and to do it. And things just naturally just kind of happen and doors open when you're being true to yourself, when you're uh, really doing what excites you. And I love how just how that even unfolded for you with the Mars generation and even starting with meeting your first mentor. That's so great. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I would completely agree with that, that you know, if you're working towards something that you're really interested in and that you're excited about and you're passionate about, um, and if you're giving it your all, it oftentimes will will develop into more than what you originally thought that it would. And so that's what happened with the Mars Generation. That's what happened with the Astronaut Abbey channels and all of that. And hopefully, hopefully that'll happen uh, with the rest of my career goals as well. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is next for you? I, uh, I know, you know, you're still in school and I also heard you're going to Russia. I mean, you have all of these things. Can you talk about some of uh, your next endeavors? Yeah. So yes, I'm i I'm still in school. I'm, I'm a junior in my undergraduate studying astrobiology and Russian. And in about a week, I will be leaving for Russia, where I'll be spending three weeks in Moscow doing an intensive language program there. So I'm very, I'm very excited for that. It's a great opportunity to take my Russian and, and try and, and really bring it to the next level, because it's, it's really difficult to, to learn a language without having that immersion environment. I'm happy. I'm really um, fortunate to have the opportunity through my college to to go and do that. Especially since I want to become an astronaut, Russian is so important. Russian is something that's not required to become an astronaut in the United States right now, but it is required to fly as an astronaut. So. Yeah. So once you become an astronaut, once you get assigned to a mission, you then have to go through intensive language classes with NASA so that you can um, and you don't become fluent in Russian from that. But you you have to gain a certain proficiency so that you can communicate both with your Russian crewmates on the Soyuz, which is how we currently send our astronauts to space and also on the International Space Station, which we share with a lot of countries, but primarily with Russia. A lot of our training goes on in Russia, because since we currently launch astronauts on the Russian Soyuz, they have to go to Russia to to train for that. And then there's also the fact that when the International Space Station is orbiting around the wor- world, the, around Earth, there are times when you can't uh, connect with mission control in the United States. You connect with mission control in Russia instead, because that's how the you know radio waves and whatnot work. And so... Uh, you have to be able to communicate technically with um, with Russian mission control as well. So it's really an important skill to have. It's something that's not a requirement, but it's definitely a bonus if you go into the program already capable of speaking Russian. Um, so it's it's a language that I definitely wanted to focus on, um, along with Mandarin Chinese, which I think will be really important in the future of space exploration, which I studied in high school. So that's my immediate future right now is to keep plowing ahead with Russian. After that, uh, I'm, well, I guess also immediate future is like we mentioned, I'm working on my pilot's license. Um, I'm also continuing, I'm a scuba diver, so I'm continuing to, to get more experience in scuba diving. That's a 
another important feature for an astronaut to have because it's the the best way that we have on Earth to train for microgravity is through scuba diving. So that's something that once again, once you become an astronaut, you um, you end up spending a lot of time in uh, the scuba tanks. Long term, after. Well, I guess it's not that long term anymore. It's terrifying to think about. In after I graduate from my undergrad program, I'm hoping to go into a PhD program in astrobiology or a related field. So maybe um, geobiology or astrogeology or something like that. You know, something that that ties those in together and go from there. See see where that brings me. Wow. That's incredible. Were you always like this with, you know, wanting to do everything and having so many aspirations? I mean, I love that you love space and you love science, but then you have all these other interests as well. Yeah, I I guess I was always like that. And I'm a big, uh, like, champion of, of STEAM, I guess, which a lot of times we we focus on STEM, which is science, techni- technology, engineering, and math. But I really think that it should be STEAM, which is science, technology, engineering, art, and math. And so my entire life, I've been involved in, I guess, what you could call the arts, um, arts and athletics, really. Growing up, it was something that my my mom thought was really important for my sister and I to, you know, have have a a background in a variety of things. So not only did we do the things that we were really interested in, which for me was school and science, um, but we also were required <laughs> to be on a team sport every year and um, were, were encouraged to uh, take part in different arts. So I learned to play instruments and things like that. Um, and so now as an adult, I look at that and I see how important it was that that we were involved in those. And I try and stay involved in, in arts and whatnot. Um, I do a lot of uh, social dancing, so swing dancing and things like that. Because I think that the arts, there's a couple of reasons that they can really benefit this, the STEM community, which is that the first one is that art teaches us how to be creative. And STEM relies on creativity everything about STEM, whether it's science or engineering or math, the way that we move forwards in those fields is through creativity, is through making connections between things, making leaps from what we know now to what's possible. And so by by participating in the arts, we basically train ourselves on how to be creative, which we can then take over to science or we can take over to engineering. Um, so that's one reason. Another is that with a long-term dream, it helps to have other things that you're also focusing on and interested in so that you don't burn out. Because over 20 years of just focusing on space or just focusing on school, that's that's too much for one person. Like That will definitely take its toll on you. And so by being able to participate in a lot of other things, it helps me not burn out and be able to, to have this dream for, for a long time, for as long as it takes to accomplish it. And then the final reason that I think arts are an integral part of STEM is that it's, it's part of what makes us human and it's part of how we communicate. And there's nothing more important about STEM than STEM communication, than taking what we're doing and what we're learning in science or engineering or math and communicating it to the public so that others can also use that and be a part of that 
Because if we don't communicate our findings, what was the purpose of doing the the, the research in the first place? Um, so arts are are a really important way that we as humans can connect with one another. I love that way of thinking, especially since it's not just isolated one one thing or the other, but that uh, with science, with technology, with the arts, that it's all integrated. And just thinking about us as humans, that we have, we're multifaceted, we're multidimensional, and, and to think of it in that way too. Right. To never, to never look at it and say that like you can, you can only be one thing or, or that we only are, you know, like that a scientist is just a scientist or that an artist is just an artist. Like that's never true. People are always... Um, I mean, they're a collection of of different facets that that end up creating a whole. I love that. I love that. Um, we can hear your little cat. Is it nice to be home for winter break and to spend time with your kitty? <laughs> I'm sure you can hear. She has a bell on her collar. Um, she, yeah, it's so nice to be home. That's that's the hardest part of college, honestly, is being away from my animals. Aww. <laughs> so every time I come home, I have two dogs and a cat, and. Um, I, I kid you not, I spend the entire two weeks that I'm home, like probably like 80% of my time is just like taking pictures of them and looking at them and being like, you're so cute. <laughs> I missed you so much. <laughs> oh, I mean, they are part of the family for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, <laughs> and animals are so, they're so great. I just filmed an episode of Ask Abby, which will be coming out in January. That's the, the new show that the Mars Generation Space and Science Show is putting out, which is all about answering questions about space and science. Uh, and the episode that we filmed was about animals in space and about whether or not you would want to take puppies to Mars. If you want to know the answer to that, you should go to YouTube and watch it. <laughs> oh, that's a good teaser there. I would like to know that. <laughs> right. It sounds like it would be a great idea, right? Like, Puppies always make every situation better, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it starts to get a little questionable with <laughs> when you when you combine space travel and puppies. That's maybe the one situation where they're not quite a, quite a good addition. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can you um, talk a little bit about the different organizations and how people can reach you if they'd love to get in touch or to learn more about what you're doing? Yeah. So anyone who's out there listening right now, we would love if you became a part of the Mars generation. Um, we'd love to have you join our community. There are a couple of different ways that you can do that. First, you can go to the marsgeneration.org and check us out there. And while you're there, you can sign up as a member, which means that you'll get all kinds of cool swag from the Mars generation and you'll get updates on what we're doing and stuff like that. And you'll also be able to support the work that we're doing. Um, so that's an important way. The other one is that if you are a student, you can sign up as part of our Student Space Ambassador Leadership Program, um, which is a group specifically designed for, uh, for young people to support them on their you know, way towards big dreams and big goals. And so I would definitely recommend that once again, head over to themarsgeneration.org and sign up for that. Otherwise, you can find us on, as the Mars Generation, on pretty much any social media channel that you're on, we're probably on. So Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter, uh, Flickr, you know, everywhere. Just go search the Mars Generation and we'll pop up and we'd be really happy to have, have you join our community. 